welcome. This is the first episode of the Against the Shadows podcast by the Misfit Dice crew. Before we go anywhere, I would like everyone to introduce themselves. So, whatever name you're going to be going by, not your character, but you the person, as well as the pronouns you prefer and the name of the character you will be playing. Hi, I'm Ron. I go by he, him, and I am playing Char Nagak. Hi, I'm Shiny. I go by he, him. I actually had to think about that for a second. And I'm playing Amber. I'm Blizz. I go by they, them, and I am playing Bidouin. Hi, I'm Spencer. I go by they, them, and I am playing Kamar. And I'm Nat. My pronouns are she, her, or any, and I will be playing the character Fulcrum. All right. I go by Andrew. I am the GM, and most people use he, him with me. It is an important note for everyone, not our players, they're well aware of this, but for our listeners that pronouns are important, specifically respecting the ones that people choose as well as the names that they choose. We are a LGBTQIA plus friendly podcast and group of people. That's not going to change. So if that's a problem, you probably want to stop listening now. I would like everyone to start uh, this adventure by rolling initiative. Oh, good. Getting right into it then. Okay. <laughs> That's promising. Yeehaw. What? What's going on? What's happening to us? <laughs> I blame fully. I blame fully. Oh, damn. Nat 20. Oh, God help us. <laughs> I got a 12. <laughs> I'm a fighter. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> I got a I got a twenty five total. That'll be a fourteen for Fulcrum. Uh, Char got a twenty one. I Amber got thirty two. <laughs> I'm sorry that my first roll in this entire campaign is a fucking nat twenty. <laughs> I'm not salty. That's so powerful. Setting a message. <laughs> Are we fighting? So going down the list, we have Amber, who has a 32, played by Shiny. We have Bidouin, with a 25, played by Blizz. We have Char, played by Ron, who has a 21. We have Fulcrum, who is played by Nat, who has a 14. And we have Kumar. Kumar has a 12, uh, played by Spencer. Does that sound correct to everybody? Yes. 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 Unfortunately, yes. All right. May I ask what setting we're fighting in? Because I get to draw a weapon for free upon initiative roll. You know, it's interesting. We'll get to that in a second. Fantastic. So in initiative order. <laughs> oh, boy. Fear. Uh, I would like each of you to describe your characters. Oh, so being first was bad. I see. I would like each of you to describe your characters. Um, and I actually don't want you to describe your characters in terms of ancestry, you have background, class, or any actual mechanics, but describe the character. So we're starting with Amber. You cannot delay your turn. Huh, fair. So, hi, I'm playing Amber. Amber is a little fungus leshy, and what he looks like is he has a very large red cap with white spots, his body is beige, and his limbs are actually, like, well, his arms are a tangle of 
tinier mushrooms, like stringy ones. His legs are a tango of mycelium, which he uses to get around. And on top of his little red cap, he has two antlers. Amber goes by he, him, but he's not super picky. And he has gone, well, people have called him Mushroom, Mushroom Boy, Mushroom Soup. (laughs) His full name is, he picked out the full name Amber Dirt Seeker, but that doesn't really come up like ever. So, you know. It's true. I I remember that, but I don't know if many others do. Oh, of the New Hampshire Dirt Seekers? Yes, of the New Hampshire Dirt Seekers. Uh, They are a moneyed (laughs) group of mushrooms. (laughs) Sorry, that got me. (laughs) And Chelsea, hi, uh, it's me. I'm also here. I'm a squirrel. Um, And we have an important connection and Amber keeps me safe from the other party members who are sometimes kind of mean. Yeah, Chelsea is Amber's familiar, and, well, they're very close. As close as you can be, because Chelsea's emergency food. Brutal. Hurtful. <laughs> All right, Bidouin. Bidouin is moderately tall, very, very thin and lithe. They wear a billowing black robe that is gathered at the wrists. On top of their head, they, hmm. Yeah, it's basically, they wear a, um, they wear a headscarf, a face veil, and the only part of their body that is actually visible is a little bit of very pale skin around the eyes, and the eyes are large, pupilless, and yellow. Bedouin is very private, in case you couldn't tell. So, Bedouin is usually called Biddy, occasionally Buddy. To this point, does not have any other nicknames. They go by any and all pronouns. So, he, him, she, her, they, them, literally any pronoun is fine. Alright, and Char? Char is 5'4", has red hair and a red goatee, has an underbite that shows two small teeth coming out from the bottom of his lip, has very soft brown eyes and bushy eyebrows, very protective of his friends, would die for them and be their wingman if needed. While Char is very protective of his friends and will help them with anything, he will never ask them for help himself. Char goes by he, him. I do not know of any nicknames Char has, but he is open to nicknames if one occurs. And his full name is Char Nagak, right? Yeah, Char Nagak. Okay. Which is a traditional hobgoblin name. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, either that or your family was like, we got to name our kid like something super weird so he'll stand out. While there's Char, Zar, and Bar, the triplets. <laughs> Don't remind me. All right, so Fulcrum, go ahead and yes. describe your character. Okay, okay. So Fulcrum is a very tall, lean cat boy. He is a creamy off-white color that changes in gradation from like a light golden brown to a like lightly toasted gold. He doesn't really have very many distinct markings, but he does have a very long and fluffy tail. And of course, pink paw pads, very important note. 
He has heterochromia in his eyes, one a striking green and one a vivid blue, but they are evened out by the fact that he wears yellow aviators crafted by himself as he is an alchemist. He can often be caught wearing reds and mahoganies, browns and leathers. He wears a red bandana, usually. And although he is kind of an off-white cream-colored cat, since alchemy is his passion, oftentimes his hands up to his forearms will be blackened with all sorts of wacky soot from explosions and things that occur. And that's about all there is to say about him. So vivid. I can see him. Fulcrum uses he, him pronouns, and as far as nicknames go, I believe the only one I have currently besides Annoying Cat is Fully, which Char refers to him as affectionately because they're like bros. There's also Sexy Cat, or Sexy Cat. (laughs) I call him Sexy (laughs) Cat. I was going to say, that's a player nickname. (laughs) That's a player. That is a player nickname. That's a meta name. That's a a player meta nickname. Uh, it is now Kamar. So Kamar is a, a tall, black feathered tengu. They would be gangly if it weren't for the fact that they were so very obviously, like, physically fit and sure of themselves. So they're a little bit filled out. They've got these sharp, piercing eyes in the way that, that birds often do. They speak with a sort of a high voice. They are very easy in their body. They're very confident and sure in their movements. They're usually seen in... If they're on the job, they'll usually be wearing a breastplate and some like chainmail attendant to that. And they will be carrying a backpack that is filled with weapons, as well as various weapons uh, attached all over their body at belts, on bandoliers, etc. Kamar uh, uses they them pronouns, is called sometimes boss by Bidouin, sarcastically. Uh, mas- master. Uh, excuse me. It's sometimes called Master by Bidouin. Uh, somewhat sarcastically, they've got a... It's halfway between a con and halfway between a business endeavor that they do together. Bidouin is nominally Kamar's squire. Bidouin doesn't really do many squirely duties, and Kamar isn't really a knight. So, you know, but they like to pretend sometimes. So, now that you've described your characters, I will uh, answer Ron's question. Where are you, and why did you roll initiative? You find yourself in Kess, the city of paths. It is the largest city in the land of Sotria, a land known as a rough frontier, one that includes the Badlands, one which is split in half by the great mountain range known as the Rhine Peaks and connected only by the Sears Road, an ancient path that far predates any of the civilizations that exist now. You find the city of Kess to be different than you normally find it. Normally bustling with merchants and gangs and adventurers all, it is Busy, but in a very different way. The city is in flames as the sky darkens with black, oily smoke. The sound of chattering and business is replaced by screaming and yells, and the battle cries of a seemingly endless host of gnolls. The city of Kess is burning, and you find yourselves rushing down an alleyway, 
trying to keep ahead of the advancing horde. But it's no use. As more and more buildings catch fire, you find yourself surrounded. But it's not simply the Knoll hordes, surprisingly organized, but all kinds of monstrosities, taking full advantage of the population, cutting them down, others shackled to be dragged back into the Badlands, and many more suffering far more unspeakable fates. The skies are filled with flying creatures that you have not seen before, and enormous monstrosities break down buildings and burst through walls. The Silver Guard has been completely overwhelmed. Those members of the Pariah Legion here kept as Consul are desperately battling to keep their embassy from being overrun, but it is a failed effort. What the unholy Christ is that? <laughs> oh no! I don't like it. It takes up 16 squares! Up in the sky, you see creatures the size of ancient dragons with long, reaching tendrils, simply flicking down and grabbing people off the streets. Enormous, long worms and insects that don't look like anything you've seen before stalk along. Enormous, hulking ogres drag people from their homes. And many of the gnolls that you see are mutated and twisted, their bodies covered in scarified markings. And the smell of burning flesh is everywhere. You find yourselves cornered, but the laughing, cackling mass pursuing you stops as you find yourselves again pressed into a corner, caged. And then stepping forward from their ranks is a creature unlike which you have ever seen before, pushing aside the others 14 feet tall, only in the most general terms a knoll, three-headed. The first head of this beast is black, black as midnight, this tarry black knoll head. The second is a mottled brown, closer to what you expect from a knoll, but off its head curl a pair of strange, almost goat-like horns. And the third head is almost completely rotten away, yet living, its eyes burning with blue light, skeletal, desiccated, flies crawling in and out of its face. The monstrosity walks towards you confidently, carrying a dire flail, uh, which is to say a weapon that makes zero sense uh, with three long chains ending on spiky heads, each of which the size of a humanoid head. What do you do? Vito impedes themselves. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, Char's, Char's going to speak up draw out his longbow and say I ain't gonna lose everyone again let's get out of here Kamara's looking up and down this alley up and down the walls trying to find if there's some point where they could climb over, climb through a window climb under, get out of this situation for what it's worth there is not I didn't think there would be Bidouin <laughs> Bedouin pees themselves just a little bit. Oh no. Then I'm I'm just gonna hide behind the closest uh, party member. Doesn't doesn't matter who it is, maybe it's Amber and I'm crouching really low to the ground. <laughs> Amber holds his arm out kinda of protectively, but it's very wimpy because he is 
trembling also and petting Chelsea with his other hand. And also because he has no bones. <laughs> and also because he is literally spineless. And then I'm sure Fulcrum is in the back with like a just completely exhausted grin on his face as he sort of just chuckles to himself at the situation that they've gotten themselves into again. The creature steps forward. As it does, a roar of cackling laughs come from the mass of gnolls. Dozens, hundreds, you're not sure. As they watch you but do not interfere as their leader, champion, steps forward. But not quickly enough. As Amber, with exceptional speed, is the first to act. Amber, you have three actions. What do you do? I was not thinking this through. The first action I want to do is try to identify what the hell that thing is. You may make, and by you, I mean I, may make a secret roll as an occultism check. Okay. I am trained. I have a plus ten. Plus ten. You look at this thing, and you recognize that it is... It was some kind of knoll, or perhaps its forebearers were, but there are no knolls like this, no 14-foot-tall knolls with three heads. Some sort of evil magic must have created this. You've never heard of such thing, and you've never seen such a thing before. Great. Uh, the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to cast Blood Ward on Char, my best buddy, in front of me. What Blood Ward does is it protects the target from... The list says aberration, animal, beast, etc. So, gonna say animal? Well, beast. Gnolls are beasts, right? I will tell you, first of all, gnolls are... Um, oh, humanoids. Humanoids. However, you believe this creature to be... You did fail, but you did not critically fail, so I will give you that this thing is an aberration. Okay, so... It also has the gnoll tag. It has a null tag, but it's counted as an aberration. So, knowing that, Amber's gonna cast Blood Ward, which is a witch feat, on Char, and protect him against aberrations. That's my second action, and my third one will be... Oh, shit, there are people behind us. Hmm. So, first thing, Blood Ward is a witch hex, correct? Yeah. And the second thing is, while hostile... The numerous knoll hordes that are watching you and other strange things are not coming after you. They're letting their champion, let's say, have its fun. I hate this thing. And the last action I'm going to do is cast Guidance on Char because, again, he's directly in front of me between myself and the knoll aberration. All right. Bidouin, it is your turn. You have three actions. This horrifying thing is beginning to walk towards you. Uh, it has its three-headed flail swung over its back. Its body is covered in scars, its flesh. It's this melding uh, and almost melting of null flesh, and its musculature is impossibly strong. Gross. One of its arms is almost skeletal because it has rotten through in places. The other one is massively muscular in a way that it is disturbing in comparison to the other um, one. Bitterman is going to going to stand up from where they were um, cowering behind the tiny mushroom man and look at this horrifying abomination and go, Hey, 
there's something we can help you with. So this is a this is a real nice um takeover you got going on here. Um you you want some uh, you want some new minions? Bidwin, uh are you trying to uh use diplomacy to make an impression or Yes. I'm attempting to use I am attempting to use diplomacy. Okay, go ahead and roll diplomacy. I don't like this die because it doesn't give me good numbers. Let's try this one. <laughs> Well, that's a natural 20 plus 11, so... I have good news for you. It is the creature's turn next. <laughs> oh my god. Damn. Andrew, we've derailed your campaign. <laughs> we join the gnolls. <laughs> Betty does, at least. Yeah, I only took, I only took one action. Um, make an impression with at least one minute of conversation in which you engage in charismatic overtures. Do you have a feat that allows you to do it as a single action? Oh, I don't think so. You could, however, make a request, but that's only of a creature that's helpful or friendly towards you. So... We don't know it isn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we don't know what this guy's deal is. Wen's just trying to just trying to find out what's up. Maybe he's on a nice walk. Okay, so Bidouin, you, you make your request. By the way, you've been chased by gnolls. Any of you who want to have weapons out, just have them out. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, Bidouin is going to subtly, <laughs> subtly cast shield. Okay. In fact, what does this shield look like, Bidouin? This magical shield that you conjure? It looks, it's kind of intangible. It just looks like a slightly, slightly foggy, blurry shape in front of Bidouin, but it casts an unnaturally dark shadow even though it's intangible. Okay, I like it. You have one action remaining. I cry a little bit. Okay, you cry I a little bit. <laughs> if there's nothing else you'd like to do, it is now the Harbinger Beast's turn. Great. How do how do ties work in Pathfinder? I'm just curious. The enemy always wins. Cool. It's weird. I know it. But it's like the only game in which that happens. But it is legitimately under initiative. The uh, monsters always win initiative when it's a tie. If it's PCs, you just choose who goes first. So the Harbinger Beast looks at the three of you. And it speaks. Three heads simultaneously speaking with overlapping voices. It's disturbing, to say the least. You cannot stop this. You cannot stop fate. You cannot stop what was prophesied. Ugh, religion. That is a free action. It is now going to step forward with enormous footfalls, and it strides up towards Char. In fact, standing towering over the hobgoblin and then as it unfurls the massive horrifying and you can see now blood soaked flail the skeletal head basically vomits up a wave of black flies over all of you this gout of horrifying biting buzzing hideous black flies that are the size of large cockroaches effectively I need everyone to make a basic fort save. And I get to roll damage. 
What's the difference between a fort, a basic save and a normal save? So that's a good question. A basic saving throw means that on a critical success, you take no damage. On a success, you take half damage. On a failure, you take full damage. And on a critical failure, you take double damage. Shit. Char got a 30. So Char, despite being covered in biting flies, you succeed and uh, will only take half damage. Bidouin, what did you get? I got a 23. With a 23, that is a success and you will only take half damage. Amber got a nat one. That is a critical failure, and you will take double damage. Great. No! You will also have something else special happen. Oh, great. From a nat 20 to a nat 1. Thanks, guys. It's been nice knowing your character. I'm glad that we went out of the way to make sure everybody knew. Wait, don't you have a hero point? I I do have a hero point. You do have a hero point. Maybe I should use that. In fact, hero points are an important part of this game. So if you would like, you may uh, use your hero point to re-roll. I absolutely want to use my hero point to re-roll. Thank you, Nat. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't want Amber to die. <laughs> yes, thank you, Nat. Uh, that's a lot better. Um, it's an 18 plus 10, which is 28. That is success, but not a critical success. Chelsea also needs to roll. Uh, I forgot Chelsea needs to roll. Yeah. Does Does Chelsea have a hero point? <laughs> I don't no, think... Chelsea does not. <laughs> Kamar got a 30. With a 30, Kamar, you succeed, but do not critically succeed. Uh, Chelsea got a 13. Chelsea will fail, but not critically fail. Sorry, Chelsea. So, let me roll the damage. And Chelsea, in addition, will be sick one. Or sickened one. Aww. Um, Chelsea can take an action to retch, should she wish to, um, to remove this condition. Fulcrum got a 25. Just <laughs> Yeah, Fulcrum instantly dies. Cool. <laughs> no. Sounds about right. Uh, Fulcrum, you also succeed. So everyone except for Chelsea will be taking half damage. Do any of you have resistances to damage of any kind? I have resistance to fire damage, too. Nope. Ten. I rolled the most eights I've seen on this number of d8s. This is absurd. So that's ten, sixteen plus 24 is 40 points of damage. All of you take 20 points of damage except for Chelsea. Chelsea! Chelsea is covered in these horrific biting flies and is dropped down to zero hit points. Oh, man. No! <laughs> there, there's a name for that. It's called Fly Chelsea! Strike. Fun farm fact. Don't like it. Farm facts. Uh, we we are actually a farm uh, fact podcast. Um, all of us talking about you know D and D and stuff was actually uh, misdirection. That's what we do. Uh, Char, you got a plus one on your uh, saving throw. What did that put you to? It put me. It put me at thirty. Okay, at thirty. Okay. None of you critically succeeded. That was uh, very quick. Oh wait, wait. I have a thing that I can do for Chelsea. Okay. I don't think it's going to help much, but it is something Amber would want to try. Okay, yeah. So I have a witch hex, uh, and it's called Phase Familiar. Okay. And what does that do? What this does is, well, the description says, you draw upon your patron's power to momentarily shift your familiar from its solid physical form into an ephemeral version of itself shaped with mist. Okay. 
Your familiar gains resistance 5 to all damage and is immune to precision damage. This, uh, these only apply to the triggering damage. I mean, it's resistance 5. I don't think it would help. Yes, yeah, so, um, so Chelsea is going to take 5 less damage and be dropped down from 40 points of damage to 35 points of damage. Which is still down to zero. Which is still down to zero. I honestly don't 100% remember the massive damage rules, but I don't think that you're anywhere close, so. And now I roll for the number of turns that it will be until this thing gets its breath weapon again. All right, that is the Harbinger Beast's turn. Char, it's your turn. This creature is standing over you, leering. Char is going to pull out his sword, Red Destiny. Oh, for uh, for his free action, he's going to mark this as his target because he is a Null, which is a favorite enemy of Char. That is correct, yes. You are able to hunt prey, and because this creature has the Null tag, you are able to do so as a free action. Yes. So I would like to mark this thing with uh, my hunt prey feature. And I would like to pull out Red Destiny. Or is that because your longbow was already out and you had it? Yes, I chose my longbow. Okay. And I don't think it's fair to go back and say I did. Okay, fair enough. And I'm going to attack this thing twice. Okay, go ahead and make your attack. And this is with your Hunter's Flurry, correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. That is low. How does a 19 sound? So you swing out with this beautiful silver blade inlaid with a, a, a red pommel slashing out and the creature simply easily parries you with the hilt of this long flail and cackling bursts throughout the crowds watching you. You may make a second attack. My second attack is a 17. You swing again, and it simply steps aside with its long, gangly legs, towering down over you. Fulcrum, it is your turn. You have three actions. Okay. I have a couple of questions before I make my actions. I have a couple of answers. My first question is, so the sequence of events leading up to us being cornered was us being chased by, like, these hordes, right? Yes. And is this, like, starting from, like, the inside of the city going out, or are we surrounded on all sides right now? You are effectively surrounded on all sides. The only side of you that you are not completely surrounded on is the city wall to the east, to the direct east of you. Okay, and then my second question is, how tall is that wall? This is the inner city wall, so we'll say it's about 40 feet tall, and it is... It is also covered in gnolls and other creatures. Okay. So there's less of them, but you're still surrounded. Gotcha. You're, there's just less. Okay. So my out-of-character question to the team is, is escape something we want to do, try to attempt, or should we focus on doing our best? I can, I can help you guys with that. <laughs> uh, escape is not really viable. You've been doing your best to escape currently, and now you are basically cornered. Okay. I just want to make sure, because we're, we're thinking. We're thinking here. <laughs> there are algebra equations happening. <laughs> you really do want to escape. Absolutely. But no opening. There is currently no opening to get away at this time. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, in that case, I guess we'll just do the best we can, folks. Whip out a few bombs. So, Fulcrum is going to reach into his bandolier quickly, as he does have the feats to take a bomb and throw it, and is going to try and hit it in such a way that the splash damage doesn't affect his friends. So the splash damage is going to hit Char, but it would not hit anyone else. Even if I aim for like the back flank. So we did discuss this in a previous game that no listener will ever hear, um, where splash damage, for whatever reason in second edition, is all adjacent squares to the the, the person you hit. I know, I just don't want to hit him. <laughs> it's the best I have, besides a crossbow. Yeah, we'll do it. Why not? For fun. I'm gonna throw a frost vial. Here I go. Okay, so that's, uh, 25? Okay, so the first thing is that you would normally be firing through several allies, but not only is Amber very short, but this thing is very tall, so you can actually fire in such a way that you are not firing through your allies. Therefore, that is a hit. Yay! Okay, then that is going to be 2d6 cold. Oh, hell yeah. Um, that's a 11. Okay. Don't forget the splash damage as well. Right. So 11 cold, sorry, Char, 2 cold splash damage. And one of the effects of the frost file is it will take a negative 10 foot movement penalty for whatever reason. So if that applies to the big bad, then go off. So it does. Also, the two uh, splash damage applies to it as well. So you actually do 13 points of damage as your file splashes and hits. I think you throw, but a little bit underestimate, and it flies down and lands on its leg, freezing it slightly in place. Its movements are a bit slower and a bit more jerky. And then the way that I imagine that Fulcrum sort of operates as he is fighting is like one hand he is usually holding like his crossbow and in the other he'll like every now and then throw out a bomb if that is kosher. I don't know how many hands you need to do your bombs so I think for right now that's fine. Uh, If you just need one hand to uh, assemble and throw your bombs then you're totally fine. Don't have to assemble them. Uh, And you can have your crossbow out already by the way. Delightful. Then uh, for my next attack I will be doing a crossbow strike for fun. Again, you, uh, you, it does not have cover because of how tall it is. Right. So that is a 13. Okay. You take a second shot and it whistles past it, but does not hit the creature. I believe you have one action remaining. I mean, we might as, let's try it, lads. One more crossbow. Here we go. Uh, I, <laughs> I believe your crossbow is not reloaded unless you can reload it for free. Oh, I can't do that. No, I'm just imagining things. I guess I could throw, well, I guess I could throw another bomb for fun. Just don't want to hit char. You could also reload your crossbow so you're ready for next turn. I'm going to do that. Okay. You frantically put another bolt in and crank it back, hoping that Kamar can take charge of the situation. Kamar, what do you do? Kamar takes charge of the situation. <laughs> Kamar takes a confident step forward and is going to attempt to trip this large beast. Okay, as a GM, I am 
allowed to do this. I'm going to give you a plus one status bonus because one of its legs is partially frozen. It would be circumstance bonus. Yes! 27 versus reflex. Okay, that is a success. What happens? Kamar is wielding their shield and a, a shotel, which is a, a curved kind of sword, and they walk in, they like probably duck under a bit of a flail from its arms, and like hook the hook of the shotel around behind the leg that isn't frozen, and just pull it out from underneath the creature. And with a howl of surprise, it comes tumbling down. It is now on the ground and considered flat-footed. What would you like to do? You have one action remaining. I would like to raise my shotel above my head and attempt to bring the point down right into its guts. Okay. All right. Nat 20. Whoa! All right. That is a nat 20. What is your total, including your iterative penalty bonus? It is 34 minus 5. That is a confirmed critical hit. Go ahead, roll your damage, and multiply it by two. And also apply any critical specializations uh, that you may have. Swords are... What's the critical specialization of swords? You make them flat-footed, I believe. Okay, well, it's too late for that. <laughs> okay, let me roll damage. Yes, max damage. 24 damage. Damn! Okay, you bring your weapon slashing into this thing's putrid, rotten gut. And as you do, it does not howl in pain so much as you just get a growl of annoyance as you cut through the putrid flesh and it pops and bursts open and black flies start spraying out into the world around you. However, you've done a serious blow to it and it is on the ground. Amber, what do you do? You have three actions. Amber, for his first two actions, is going to stabilize Chelsea. And then for his last action, he's going to cast Guidance on Kamar. So it is going to take an attack of opportunity at you. What? Roll flat-footed. I meant... Oh, wait, it's large. Okay. Yes, it has reach. <laughs> All right. It is attacking through your allies. Not that it doesn't mind hurting them. All the same, it does not have particularly good reach with you. It is going to attempt to hit you with its flail. That is a 28 to hit. Yeah, that's a hit. You are going to take 18 points of damage as the flail slams across you, breaking one of your antlers and sending a puff smoke cloud of uh, spores. Well, I'm at five hit points. But you do get off both of your spells. Bidouin. Okay, this thing is flat-footed technically? It is considered flat-footed, yes. Okay, but I don't think that actually affects its reflex save in any way. I don't believe so. Okay, well, in that case, I'm going to attempt to attack it with my spike of the chain. And you have reach? Well, I will have, actually, I will have to, I'll have to move and then attack it with my spike chain. Okay, you can just step forward and attack with your spike chain. Its AC is reduced by two right now. I can do math in my head. That's a 22. So you strike down and you're... Your chain does strike into it, but it does not seem to hit anything critical, which is to say that you do not actually do any damage. Well, I'll attack again with the with the penalty, which, how much is it? Is it agile? It's, no, it's not agile, so. Then it would be a minus five. Jesus. Well, might as well try anyway. Okay. Yeah, that's an 18. That ain't gonna do shit. You swipe again, but this time it, it puts up its skeletal claw, and your weapon wraps around it, but does not seem to harm it. It tries to yank it out of your hand, but you're able to pull it free. 
and now it is the Harbinger Beast's turn. It is going to stand, provoking an attack of opportunity from any of you who has that ability and is also adjacent to it. So Kamar, Char, or Bidouin, if you have attack of opportunity. I have it. I think I'm going to hold on to my reaction. Okay. It is going to unleash its full fury, making a strike with its flail, jaws, and the horns. And the penalty does not apply until after it has made these strikes. So it is going to strike out with its flail towards Kumar. I will react by raising my shield. Oh, okay. So you have the uh, the reactive raise shield ability. Yes, I do. Would a 25 hit you? It would not. Then it is going to miss. Oh, sweet. You bring up your shield and deflect the vicious flail heads off of your shield, surprising it with your speed. It will now attempt to bite Char. Char, don't forget that you have a plus one to your AC. Yes. 21. That's a miss. Okay. It snaps out at you with the black-headed jaws that look bone-crushing. I mean, this this is the size of a dire hyena's head, a hyenodon, but they, they miss you. And finally, Bidouin, the horned-headed creature, the horned knoll, is now going to try to slam its goat-like horns into you. That is a critical failure with a natural one. Does anybody have an ability that reacts to that? I don't believe so. God, I wish. I do not. Can I laugh at it? Uh, you may, as a free action, a free reaction, uh, laugh at the creature. I'll happily do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay, I laugh at the creature. <laughs> and, and look at the other gnolls as I do. It isn't going to swipe again uh, because Char laughed at it with his claws as its final action. Hubris. <laughs> that is a 24 to hit you. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so close. Okay. It's, uh, it's clawed hand. This is the one that is not holding the flail. It's going to swing down and deal 19 points of damage to you as it slashes across your face, splattering blood all across Bitwin. Um, but that is the Harbinger Beast's turn. Char, it is your turn. You're not feeling well. I'm going to drop Red Destiny and then for my first action, do Hunted Shot, which attacks twice. And for my other two actions, attack as well. I believe that uh, that will provoke an attack of opportunity from it. Are you okay with that? That's fine. Okay. I, I am fine. It is going to attempt to swing its flail at you. 29 to hit. Yep, that hits. Okay. It is going to deal 19 points of damage to you again. Cool. As you bring out your bow and it springs its uh, flail cracking down on you, nearly taking uh, like breaking one of your arms before it rips it back, leaving gashes all along your bleeding body. Uh, You may now make your hunted shot. Okay. The first attack is a nat one. Okay. The second attack (laughs) that's a 27. A 27 is a hit. Go ahead and roll damage. That is 14 damage. Your arrow slams deep into its body, flies crawling out from the wound that you've made. This thing is ragged now. For my second action, I will attack again. That is a 25. A 25 is hit. Go ahead and roll damage. 
That is 11 damage. Okay, so on your second attack, it is going to take another uh, attack of opportunity because it has multiple of those. Oh my gosh. What a okay. Uh, it is going to try and bite you for a 22. That's a miss. Okay, it snaps out at you with the jaws again, but they do not hit you. Um, you have one action remaining. I'm just going to have to go for it, probably. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to attack a fourth time. Okay. It provokes an attack of opportunity again. <gasps> that is a nat 20. Let me roll my uh, my attack of opportunity first. Because it actually gets three. Because of its what? three hits. No. Oh my gosh. Another 22 will miss. As it the ram horns come at you from the other direction. So Char is moving backwards, firing arrows as this thing swings at him over and over again. You have a natural 20. What is your total? My total with that is a 26. 26 will confirm. That is a critical hit. Roll your damage, double it, and then add your deadly dice. So that is 23 damage. Your arrow slams into one of the heads, and it's still alive, but badly wounded. The arrow sticking out of its eye. That's the dark tar-colored null head. This thing is badly wounded, but it is not dead. Fulcrum, you're in a desperate situation. What do you do? So Char's looking really bad, but is clearly doing a lot of damage. Um, so I will move forward and sort of between my friends dump an elixir of life, a lesser elixir of life, fresh from the alchemical reagents onto my brother Char. Okay, go ahead and roll the healing. Um, as Char's wounds begin to heal at least somewhat. So it's 3d6 plus 6 for this particular brew, so... That's potent. That's that's a good heal. So that'll be 19 hit points back for you? Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's two of my actions, and then for my final one, can I, through, between my friends, shoot a crossbow at the beast? Absolutely, you may. Delightful. Then I shall attempt. And it has no cover, again, because of how tall it is. Cool. And because this is my third action, do I take the penalty for the... Uh... That is only for attacks. Gotcha. So you have made no attacks this turn, so you are at no penalty. Fantastic. It could make an attack of opportunity, but it has run out because it has only three. Only. Gonna, gonna, gonna be keeping only. track of that one. Okay, let me, let me roll. Yeah, I took all three of those. Oh, that's a great roll, actually. Uh, so that's a 16 plus 11. So 27 to hit. A 27 is a hit, but not a critical hit. Go ahead and roll damage. Oh, uh, that is eight piercing. Okay, your arrow slams into this creature just a little below its throat. And again, these enormous black flies start pouring out from where the injury is. This thing is on its last legs, as I've said before, and you've pushed it even closer to the end. Kamar, don't forget that you have guidance. That's true. And maximizing the utility of that guidance I will take like a bracing step backwards and charge and just try and slam into it with my shield using my knockdown okay I like it alright here's a to hit I will use a hero point to re-roll that <laughs> I rolled a 2 Okay. and I don't want to roll a 2 hero points coming out uh, already oh yeah 24 a 24 to hit, does that include your... No, 25 with the Guidance. Guidance takes you from a miss to a hit. Yes! 
You knock the creature oh. down, and I believe you also deal damage. Yes. I deal 11 damage, and now I get to make the athletics trip. Okay. But with no multiple attack penalty. Fantastic. You slash into this thing. 29. With a 21, its leg basically almost snaps and falls as it tumbles to the ground, one arm bracing itself. The eyes, six eyes, all staring hatefully at you. Well, five, because one of them got hit by an arrow. I will use my final action to raise my shield. Okay. You raise your shield. Amber. Chelsea is laying there alive, but gasping. And she just looks up at you and says, Don't leave me. I already used stabilize on her. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Incredible. That was not Amber saying that. That was me. <laughs> Amber will instead. Hmm. What is strange is it's not Chelsea's voice, Ooh. but someone else's, someone familiar, but you don't have time to think about it right now. Is it a free action to pat her on the head and say, it'll be okay? Absolutely. All right, let's see. Well, Char's looking better. I'm going to step back and I'm going to cast Fungal Infestation on the fucker. Okay. I assume there is a saving throw involved. Uh, yeah. Amber is going to fling out his arms, and from the little mushrooms on there, a bunch of spores are going to go towards the null abomination, and it has to make a saving throw, or else it will take 2d6 persistent poison damage each turn. Okay. And also a bunch of nice weaknesses. And also weaknesses, depending. As you reach out and these sort of mushrooms start sprouting and trying to grab hold on this creature magically, you can guess that a 14-foot-tall knoll has uh, a pretty good fortitude save. And you have a DC 21. However, I rolled a 2. <laughs> nice! <laughs> Which is a failure, but not a critical failure. Bidouin, it is you, and then the beast moves. I'm gonna take a take a breath and then I'm gonna try to attack it with my spiked chain again. Okay, you swing this vicious spike chain down on it. That's gonna be a 22. All right, a 22 unfortunately is still not going to hit it. It blocks your weapon with its claw. It's one hand that it has free. Well, now Bedouin's really pissed, so. Uh, but I'm going to raise my hands and I'm going to throw lightning at this fucker. Okay, that sounds good. Now that would normally provoke an attack of opportunity should it have the ability yeah, to take them, but it's already taken it both yet. on char. <laughs> I was tracking. <laughs> it has not. I assume that's a reflex save? That is a reflex save. Okay. What is the DC? 21. It is going to succeed with a 25. So it takes half damage. Does it all? Do you also do your sneak attack through spells? Yes. Then I will do uh, sneak attack. So this is going to be three d four plus my charisma modifier plus two d six for sneak attack damage. Four plus six. That's ten. Thirteen. Fifteen. Eighteen. 
19 plus 4, so 23, so it'll take 11. 11 hit points that it has left. As your lightning arcs through the offending arm, and it just explodes, leaving a blackened husk. Flies explode from the mouths as its body swiftly withers and decays, twisting and falling. But as it does, you see fungal growths exploding out of it from every direction. And finally, this thing in a smoldering heap falls to the ground. That's what you get. The black flies retreating. <laughs> Don't mess with us. Your audience is stunned. Who's got intimidation? <laughs> Can I can I go ahead and, and turn to, uh, well, or I guess there's two groups of gnolls. I'm just going to, like, look at them, throw my hands out to the side and be like, okay, who's next? <laughs> and attempt an intimidation check. All right, go ahead and roll intimidation. Spindly little bitty. Can I aid? I would like you to aid You may absolutely. You please, may absolutely please. Aid. Okay, great. Or attempt. Okay, that's going to be... <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is. I don't think this is gonna take because uh, I got a ten plus eleven, so that's a twenty-one. I, I, I rolled a ten to help. Okay, uh, so I do not help. <laughs> you actually critically fail to help and no! reduce it. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kamar, like, Viddy's like trying to do this tough guy act, and Kamar, I think, shouts in the "fuck your gods." <laughs> probably pisses them off more than scares them. <laughs> and in that moment, you see the gnolls and the other monstrous creatures readying themselves to charge in and finish the job. Then you notice something you hadn't noticed before, and you had been looking. There's a door behind you. Just a simple painted red wooden door. Just standing behind you. Like, in a wall? In a or wall. Or just, like, free-floating? It is not okay. free-floating. It is in a wall. Okay. Um, but in, in the wall behind you, there is a simple painted red door, and it is slightly ajar. Okay, okay. Everybody through the door. I don't know what it is. Let's get out of here. Kamar will usher people towards the door and, and hold a, a rear defense until everybody else is through. No, I'm a, I'm a speedy little fucker, so I'm the first one through. <laughs> um, Char... Char has his bow out, pointing at everyone. Like, anyone who's, like, looking their way, he's ready to fire as everyone's running through the door. As we're going through, can Amber try to cast Detect Magic? Uh, yes. Amber can. So I'm gonna cast Detect Magic to see what is going on with this door. Amber, you simultaneously detect no magic, and you detect magic, which is not as something that you have ever had happened before. Wizard shit later, get through the door! Okay, okay! You rush through the door (laughs) into the cold, crisp air of streets at night. We'll slam and lock the door behind us. There There is no door behind you. You are actually in an alleyway. And you step out from the alleyway into the quiet night, not of the city of Kess, but the city of Andaly. Far along the Sears Road, past the Rhyme Peaks on the edge of the Badlands, where the fortress of Grasswall stands, triumphant, watching over the city, where the Pariah Legion keep eyes on the Knoll movements and other monsters. You look up and see a tapestry of stars above you. 
any of you who would like may make a society or nature check. Or if you have any astrology based lore. I will. Um, I will do a nature check. Is this secret? It is not secret. I will just let you roll and I'll tell you what you know. We can do. So any of us can do this roll? Yep. I feel like society makes. I am assuming I know nothing. I got a 30 in society. I got a 16 in nature. I I just rolled 20. I got an 11 in society. <laughs> For nature. A nat, a nat 20 or a dirty No, 20? like a total of 20, which is pitiful because that's a nat 7. Okay. I rolled a natural 19. Uh, yeah, same. Plus 12 for society. Nice. Bidwin and Char, you look up at the night sky and sort of shrug. It doesn't make much of a difference to you. Amber, you notice that the constellations are wrong. They're not where they should be. The importance of this is unclear. However, the constellations are not where they should be. Fulcrum and Kamar, both students of history, you recognize that these are the constellations from about a hundred years ago. You were looking up into the night sky from a hundred years ago. And it is a very, very important night, specifically for Andaly, because this night was the night of long shadows in which the undead rose up from beneath the city and came out in force. It was the night in which the Pariah Legion saved Andaly and claimed the Fortress of Grasswall for their own and drove the undead back into the crypts beneath their fortress. Some of this is apocryphal, but it's what you remember. You look around and you look at each other and the first thing, you were stressed before, but you don't 100% remember why. You have that tension, that feeling of adrenaline, though you were in a battle and sort of that shakiness from a person that's been wounded, but none of you are wounded at all. And none of you are, well, maybe who you thought you were. That's normal, not strange. You are a group of five humans, four women, all four of which are, uh, at least appear to be related. You, you know each other as sisters and a human man. One is a, a young woman with the vestments of the cleric of the goddess of prophecy. One is a powerful looking warrior. Another is a arcanist, a, a sorcerer of some type. And the last one wears simple clothing, a hood, a bow strapped to her back. And the man does not seem to have the look of an adventurer at all. But you're walking down these streets, and the idea that you were ever anyone else is quickly fading from your minds. In fact, the fact that you know that this is the Night of Long Shadows is fading from your minds as well. Do we remember where we were going before this momentary confusion? Yes. You remember that you were heading back home from a long, a long night on the town towards the fortress you had established, Grasswall. As you walk down through the streets... The night sky shifts. The stars twinkle, but not like stars should, almost like eyes opening and closing. And the darkness gets darker. Lights start to go out. You feel like you see things in the peripherals of your vision. As the darkness intensifies, it becomes apparent that the stars in the sky are being obscured. As something enormous is flying over the city, it's 
great wings trailing behind it, blocking out the night sky. And when it passes over the moon, darkness takes hold of everything. And you find yourself somewhere different yet again, in an ancient city whose streets are built for giants, not mere mortals, kept in a great underground cavern. And you walk through these streets, phantasmal forms of enormous figures pass by with hollow eyes, but you walk with purpose. Walk with purpose towards a great palace and behind it, an even greater cathedral. You are yourselves again. You think you're yourselves. I don't like the way you said that, <laughs> sir. There is a sixth amongst you, leading you. But whenever you look at them, your vision obscures, it blurs. You can't quite see what you're looking at. They're speaking, but you cannot hear their voice. You make your way, practice, down the city streets. Strange, wondrous, terrible things at every corner. But as soon as you see one and then another, they fade quickly from your minds. You've been here before. You were always here. Have you never been here before? The figure beckons you to continue into the palace. You pass by the great decaying husks of its rulers and its fine court. Desiccated bodies still standing or laying where they always were. You pass through the palace and along a great bridge over a greater chasm to the temple. You step into this chamber where reality itself seems to distort and warp. Following the sixth, your leader, your enemy, your friend, your creator, they approach a great altar upon which stands a book. They turn to look at you. Are those eyes on them moving? Wings, a cloak, claws, mantibles, tendrils, it's hard to say. You gather around this altar, and you begin to perform a rite. A rite from memory, one you've practiced hundreds of times and yet never done once before. You commit grisly acts to creatures still living, necessary components to your magic, their magic. You're not sure why you're here. Something goes wrong, and you suddenly find yourselves trapped inside your own skin, suffocating like cocoons of flesh. You begin ripping and tearing at your own flesh, pulling away until you burst forth in a shower of gore, each of you, as the creatures that you truly are, monstrous, winged, with alien faces, dripping wet with your previous bodies and you hear a voice in your heads, a voice so familiar it might be your own. that ringing in your ears you wake up
The Against the Shadows podcast is a Misfit Dice production. The Against the Shadows podcast is adapted from the Black Plains Adventure by the great Watt from the Paizo Forums with his express permission and converted into Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Pathfinder 2nd Edition is a product of Paizo Incorporated and is copyright by Paizo. Misfit Dice Productions is not affiliated with Paizo in any way. Disclaimer. This disclaimer is not a legal disclaimer. Music in Against the Shadows is created by Cyan Beats. Check them out at soundcloud.com slash cyanbeats. Ambient music is by Tabletop Audio. Check them out at tabletopaudio.com. If you want to get in touch with the Misfit Dice crew, visit our website at misfitdice.com, email us at misfitdicepod at gmail.com, or tweet at us at misfitdicepod. We have a link to our Discord on our website and Twitter. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> and all through the house. Ha- oh, no, wait. <laughs>